0: My test is if I work 10 days straight with somebody, 12 plus hours a day, really intense, really like let's march this thing out. Would I want to hang out with them immediately afterwards on the beach for three days instead of be alone? And that's a tough bar to clear for me because I'd I'd, I'd be delighted to just read a book on the beach by myself. So if there's somebody that after an intense march together where it's like tough and you're on deadlines, then would I want to hang out with them to decompress and recharge? And once the answer became yes... To that with everyone i worked with my whole life changed so when you just like the people you work with then it's not like work and if you end up spending 12 or 15 hours together it's cool you know it's a life changer but like it's something to work towards because the day that you're only working with people you admire is the day that you get out of bed and it's like, you're like i can't believe i get to do this, this is my job this is great <laughs>
1: We stand today. This is Method the business with method. the shadow. The Business Method. The Business Method podcast. The Business Method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneur's systems, methods, tools and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location independent businesses that produce over a million dollars in annual revenue. And now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results, economies, and cultures. There's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this, and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this. This happened. Now, let's jump in today's show. The business method. I think most listeners on the show know about my love and mild obsession with being productive. When I get around other productivity lovers, it's always fun to jump down the rabbit hole of productivity hacks. Today's show is just that. Sebastian Marshall, the founder of ultraworking.com, joins us on the podcast, and we chat about productivity on both business and personal levels. Sebastian shares in detail on how he sets and achieves goals, how he keeps motivated, and his daily ritual. We also chat about how Sebastian Structures his life and business to ensure the most optimal productive result. If you guys like or love productivity, this is a great episode. And without further ado, Sebastian Marshall Entrepreneur's Systems, Methods, Tools, and Tactics. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome Sebastian Marshall to the show. Sebastian, how are you doing today, my friend?
0: Oh, I'm doing fantastic, although I will confess to being a little intimidated. You've had so many high-level guests on lately. You had the gentleman running K-Swiss, the gentleman that brought (laughs) GoPro from 600K to 600 million. I got to really bring my A game today to keep up with that crowd.
1: You're in good company, my friend. Don't worry. Don't worry at all. If I didn't think you were qualified, I would not have you on the show. And I've heard uh, great things about you actually over the past year or two. And I know I've had friends, entrepreneur friends that have attended your events and they really enjoyed them. And so that's one of the reasons, believe it or not, you guys, I think your assistant reached out to me, but you were on my list of people to reach out to. Um, And it just kind of serendipitously happened that you guys uh, reached out to me first. So I'm glad to have you on the show. So how are you?
0: small world uh delighted to be here i'm not really intimidated i think we're gonna have a great show i'm actually really excited so uh, yeah ready to rock and roll
1: cool where are you uh calling in from today
0: kuala lumpur so not very far away from you um and i'm back and forth between here in the states and to preempt the inevitable why question malaysia is cool and uh yeah very easy to get a technologist visa here through through their government programs very easy to set up here and great infrastructure so I split my time between here and the States and we have an office here and uh, it's a great place. And uh, I'll throw out one of a, a quick tip and an invitation for you, Chris. Um, for anybody that sets up abroad, like I know you did in Thailand, um, you know, it's so cheap to get a third bedroom or a second bedroom if you're if you're living alone. Just do <laughs> yeah. that so you can invite guests in because people do travel, right? When they're going to see a conference or whatever. So we uh, we got a three bedroom place here. So if you're ever in town, you're more than welcome. We're in the cool downtown area. So you're more than welcome to come hang. And that's something that anybody that sets up internationally should really think about because you know, if you're paying three to $500 a month for an extra bedroom, but then you have some really cool high level people drop in on you if you're in Thailand, Vietnam, Hong Kong, Malaysia, if you're in Eastern Europe, Northern Europe, whatever, if you're doing that kind of uh, flexibility to travel and build internationally thing, it's uh, a great investment to be able to just have good guests and to tell people like, hey, we're posted up here, Come, come drop by if you'd like. So it'd be delightful to meet you if you're ever in the neighborhood, we're just north of Singapore a few hours.
1: I really appreciate the offer, and I think that's one of the best networking hacks ever. It's that and dinners, right? Um, inviting other amazing entrepreneurs to come stay with you or go out to eat or go out to lunch. And it's amazing how many people will accept invitations even though they, you may suppose that they're, they're – their level of entrepreneurship or wherever they are in their life is much more successful than you. And I've had a a lot of amazing experiences doing that. But the other thing too, is like if you want to stay close to family or friends from back home, having an extra bedroom is essential without a doubt. And it's much easier to get them to come say, come and stay with you if you have that extra bedroom as opposed to um, them just coming and staying somewhere else. So great tip, my friend, great tip. Well... Um, Sebastian, I'm excited to talk productivity with you. And I know that this is something that you're really uh, passionate about, myself included. And But first, I want to kind of get to know you and your background. How did you move into becoming the productivity expert that you are today?
0: Well, I mean, first off, the word productivity is kind of a dirty word. People think you're going to be like <laughs> chanting and being like, yeah, we're the best. And uh, you know, to be, to be quite clear before going any further, um, we really don't take at all of a, a kind of a mystical or a get pumped up or motivated type approach. We're doing a lot of science, socio-technical systems, read a lot of research papers and build really cool user interfaces Um, and technology that helps people adhere to best practices. Just like stuff that no one would disagree with. Like when you're working, know what you're working on and know what complete looks like. Just stupid stuff that people neglect. And there's like dozens of them and most people neglect at least a few of them. You stop neglecting them, you do better. So yeah, I started ultra working as a side project in December 2015. It was like really a mess around side project with my good friend Kai Zhao. Uh, Kai and I have done so many projects together over the last 10 years. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, we did a bunch of work in the nonprofit world together. We did a bunch of work in education together. Uh, we worked uh, on a couple close um, programs. Uh, we, were, we were instructing on programs for MIT and for UChicago together. We did some consulting for some top organizations together, uh, including some of the big tech companies. We built some apps together. We wrote a book together. And um, I just love working with Kai. Kai a great guy. And we were like, what are we both interested in? What's, uh, what, what kind of space could we make a huge difference in? And, you know, I have two thoughts here that might be relevant because from what I understand, um, a lot of people listening here are established entrepreneurs. You got your business. It's doing well. It's growing. Maybe you're hiring, you're scaling, you're staffing up. And some people here are like thinking about making the jump in the next one to three years. They're like, man, this office thing sucks. I got to get out of here. I got to go do my own thing and make something special happen and, you know, build up a business. Um, I, I have two thoughts on that, right? And the first one is that life is so much better when you work with people you just admire so incredibly much. Just everyone with everyone around is an ace. If you love all your customers, your business partners, your staff, it's great. And I think that's essential. And I think people don't run the math, right? If you want to work with elite people, right? Um, I think you need to know between 12 and 18 incredible people that you get along with really well to always have someone be available if you want to do a project or are thinking of starting a company. Cause you know, people that are really successful, high performing type people, they will tend to, you know, get in on a project and then they'll be doing it anywhere from a year to 10 years, right? And you know, maybe three years is maybe the average, right? So if you know about a dozen to 18 people that are incredible people. So for me, people like Stepan Parnishvili, Justin Mares, Uh, Justin Fulcher, people like that. Greg Nance, Kai, as I mentioned, who's my business partner. These are incredible people that I'd be delighted to work with, but a lot of them are just doing really cool, amazing stuff. So it's just, yeah, there's just not a fit right now. They've got their own companies or major projects or whatever. So you get to know a bunch of people like that. And you know, you might have to meet a few hundred people and do some dozens of projects. People get intimidated when they hear that, but it's as simple as setting up a dinner or a board game event together or you know, sitting and having a, a book club or a business discussion group, or just even doing a simple road trip with somebody. You do that with somebody for three days. Even an evening, if you set up a dinner party, you wind up getting to know them better than you would if you were acquaintances for six months. So I did that with a ton of different people. And out of that came you know, about a dozen to two dozen people that I super genuinely admire incredibly a lot, Kai being one of them. And so Kai and I just kept doing more projects together and eventually we said, hey, let's start a company together. Um, and then we chose ultra working, we chose this space. It's a space we're both interested in, like a very kind of technocratic, very scientific, very uh, research and test everything thoroughly approach to kind of peak performance for people that are already thriving. Cause most productivity related stuff is kind of remedial. It's for people that are like not getting themselves going. Oh man, how do you get going? Well, set a goal and get pumped up in the morning. And like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah great. You know, I've, I've heard that before, you know, we're kind of like, how do you go to the next level if you're an attorney billing $1,000 an hour? You know, if you're scaling your company, how do you communicate better with your staff? How do you stay on top of everything as a CEO? So love the space. And that's the second piece of advice I'd give to somebody that's new, which is like pick a space you love, that you just love everything about, right? Because then if you're reading all the blogs on the space, if you're going to the conferences and the trade shows, you connect with the customers, you're not working like, oh man, I gotta go to this trade show. You're like, cool, this is fun. I'm going to this trade show. I'm going to this conference, right? And you're just like all about it all the time. For somebody that's a competitor of yours that doesn't like the space and just got in it because they thought it was lucrative, they're working where you're having fun. So, get in a space you love, work with people you love. It takes a bit of work to find both of those, but it's a it's a game changer and it's it's really fantastic.
1: It absolutely changes your life just being surrounded with people that are on the same mission as you, and you can imagine going to work or to a business every day. And being around people you don't like being around, and I've been there. You know, I, my first job out of grad school was in the mortgage business, and I did not like the people that I was around because I, they were unethical people, and it sucked my energy. It sucked my productivity. No matter how how much I could motivate myself in the morning, by the end of the day, <laughs> I was a little depressed. And um, but yeah, you're right. Surrounding yourself for me also has been one of the biggest biggest productivity slash life hacks ever.
0: Let me give you a rule that people can use because I think this is a game changer. So I was in consulting before, uh, before actually I was in the nonprofit world after consulting and before I got into business. Um, but I was a consultant for a while and you know, you have anywhere from clients that are just the most wonderful, marvelous people and you have clients that are hard to work with to put it mildly, right? You know, You have bad clients, right? I think anybody that runs a service business, any sort of freelancer, contractor, any sort of thing like that, consulting, eventually everyone everyone realizes what a bad client looks like. There's red flags, it's quite obvious, <laughs> a lot has been written about this, right? You know, like, you know, if you're having a first call, you're seeing if you're gonna work with them, they're like, what if it doesn't work? It's like, well, I, I don't know, we'll figure it out, usually, things usually work. Yeah, but what if I give you this money and then it doesn't work out? And it's like, hmm, is this a common experience for you? <laughs> right, you know, right? Like, what? why are your projects not working, right? Um, So you start to pick up the red flags of people that are going to not pay on time or be sloppy or change the scope a lot, and everybody stops working with those. You kind of figure that out through a lot of pain. But I think the level above that that a lot of people um, are afraid to make the jump on is not working with people that are just okay, right? Just refusing to work with people that are only okay. Like, they're okay. There's nothing wrong with them. They're fine. They'll pay their bills. You'll do decent work for them. But, you know, when I set a rule of I'm only going to work with people I admire, I'm going to turn down any work, like very politely and cool. Like, I don't think there's a fit here. You know, check them out. If I don't believe in their field, I won't work with them, that sort of thing. And my test for that is a pretty strict test. And I'm an introvert. People don't believe me because, you know, they think that introverts can't be out and about and talking to people. But that's a large (laughs) part of my job. But I'm an introvert. I like to be alone. I like to read a book. I like to sit down with equations and figure out some math and science stuff. But my test is if I work 10 days straight with somebody, 12 plus hours a day, really intense thing, like really like let's march this thing out would I want to hang out with them immediately afterwards on the beach for three days instead of be alone? And that's a tough bar to clear for me because I'd, I'd, I'd be delighted to just read a book on the beach by myself. Right? So if there somebody that after an intense March together where it's like tough and you're on deadlines, right? Then would I want to hang out with them to decompress and recharge. And once the answer became yes, to that with everyone I worked with my whole life changed right because it's like you know you're not like oh man I gotta go see my clients like oh this is cool what's going on hey you could stay at my place I'll stay at your place Hey, once we get done with this you want to go shoot guns together I mean like not in a cowboy way like on a range right you know <laughs> um, you know you want to go hang out on the beach you want to yeah. go travel you want to like hey where do you want to link up we gotta we gotta have a business conference I can meet you in your city but or we could just like meet up wherever in Vietnam or Or wherever is interesting on some island or something so when you just like the people you work with then it's not like work and if you end up spending 12 or 15 hours together it's cool you know do half a day of business and hang out for half a day and a lot of times when you're hanging out you'll do good business too so if you really just admire and just like this is so cool that i get to work with these people It's a life changer and people are like, oh man, I got to get paid. I got to pay my bills. I got to, and I totally understand that, but like it's something to work towards because the day that you're only working with people you admire is the day that you get out of bed and it's like, I have a great day coming up and that is just great. I get to work with great people today and it's, I, I really think, you know, we could talk specific productivity and we talk systems and automation and tech and all sorts of things. But if you love the space you're in, including your customers. Ideally, your suppliers in the whole ecosystem, you don't need to love everybody, maybe there's a couple people you have to use suppliers you don't love or whatever. But ideally, you like as many people as you can in your space, and you love your space, you just wake up feeling great. You're Like, I can't believe I get to do this, my job, this is great.
1: Now, you talk, Sebastian, about the nature of work being one of the biggest challenges in the workplace today. And I'm kind of curious if you can elaborate on that um, some more, because I, I can see that without a doubt in different workspaces, with different companies, with different um, businesses and employees. And I, th- I don't think most people realize that. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if you could uh, elaborate on that and, and share what those challenges are for most people, whether consciously or unconsciously.
0: Well, there's, there's, I could talk for this about 10 hours, but I'll make it really simple. So a few years ago, I said, here's my most important work. I defined it for myself what it was. And it was by my own definition, my most important thing. And then I tracked how much time I put into my most important work. This very first week that I did this, I wasn't tracking anything else, just the time into my most important work. You want to guess in one week? And I worked the whole week. You want to guess how many hours I put into my most important work that week? Five. Four and a half. Four so and a that half. That <laughs> was like one three-hour run and a few snatches of 30 minutes here and there. So like, you know, to anybody that's not getting what they want, you're probably not putting time into the stuff that gets you what you want. I know that sounds really obvious, um, but you know, I ran the numbers and I've actually, for the last two years, though I don't recommend this to everybody, I first off, it's my profession, but second, I also like it. It's kind of something that appeals to me. I've tracked my time down to the five minutes. I can tell you exactly what I did you know, 17 days ago at 3 p.m., right? I write down everything that I do and start time at the end time of it and then I sum it up and put in spreadsheets and stuff. Don't recommend it, it's kind of hardcore, I like it. Don't start there if you do even do time tracking, but it's interesting. And most people don't put time into what's actually highly leveraged and that's probably, if you're a business owner, that's probably recruiting just incredible people and senior staff, either very high level, elite functional people or senior staff um, that can round out your executive team or it's probably product development and making better product or it's probably growth and marketing and revenue and that sort of thing and whatever that looks like in your field. And maybe occasionally it's fundraising, operations are important to visit time to time. and You know, it could be a couple of other things, but most people don't actually put that much time in it. They're busy, but they don't actually, uh, their work is not very high yield and it doesn't generate a lot of excellent results. And that's why people kind of stagnate and their business grows a tiny little bit or it goes up one year and down the next year. Um, and you know, really putting time into whatever you think is most important Uh, is a pretty good idea. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges around work, but you know, let's start there, which is that people are so busy and scattered and distracted that they're not like making their product better or growing their company or recruiting elite staff or whatever's the most important thing for their company.
1: One of the the practices I used, which is very similar to that, is I just spent two weeks because I'm not as hardcore as you on writing down every five minutes. I don't think I could, but that's pretty impressive. Um, But I spent two weeks every 15 to 30 minutes writing down what I did in the previous 15 to 30 minutes. And then I reviewed that and I was blown away by how much wasted time I had, how much time that I didn't put into my biggest priorities. And it really shifted the way that I look at my time and the way that I I look at my work. And actually you talking about it makes me want to do it again because it was such a powerful exercise. So, um, so so I know you guys are working on or you're building some best known practices that help your clients and people that come to you be more productive in your fans. And so I'm curious if you don't mind sharing some of your your best known practices that you guys are working with these days, Sebastian.
0: Sure thing. So, you know, one of our core beliefs and I can give people copies of all kinds of templates and and spreadsheets and tools that they can go use for free if they want. I can I can put those up on Ultraworking.com slash TBM. If we uh, do you want to do that, we could do that.
1: Yeah, I'd love that. I love that.
0: Cool. Yeah, ultraworking.com TBM. We'll get that up by the time this show is live. So that's there right now if you want to go download it. So, one of my fundamental beliefs is that if there's anything you want that you're not getting, it's happening on some time scale, right? So, you're either not having a good right now. Or you're not having a good day or you're not having a good week or you're not having a good month quarter year right so any improvement that you want to make has to happen on some time scale whether that's really good concentration right now or setting up the day correctly so the day runs well you know ending the day at a good time getting some good sleep so you're at it tomorrow and then stringing multiple days together get your projects done on the weeks string multiple weeks together so your big campaigns and your impact areas and you know revenue product team ops all all sorts of those things are going in the right direction so There's a few things uh, that I do. Um, The first one that I think everybody should do or should have something like it um, is I think everybody needs a keystone. uh, A keystone, which is one thing you can look at every day that points at everything else. So keystone is a general class of that. Uh, Some people use a calendar and they paint their calendar with everything they're gonna do. That doesn't really work for me. I like to have kind of flexible days outside of my appointments, right? But for some people, they love the calendar, they schedule all of it into it. Some people use OmniFocus where they have like regenerating tasks and they trick it out and stuff. What I use is called a light spreadsheet and I'll throw that up on ultraworking.com slash TBM. And I've been doing this for, it looks like this is the 240th week in a row um, that I've been running wow, on this. Wow. Yeah, because it's just really great. Um, and, and this was, I was using prototype versions of this. We're prototyping tools all the time and checking them out, right? Before we ever release anything for everything we release, we try eight to 12 different things and a light spreadsheet is really, really simple. It's a spreadsheet that you set up with everything you want to do or look at that day. And you mark it green if you did it that day, red if you didn't, and yellow if it's like eh, you know whatever. And we count yellow as zero, but it lets you see if, was it like really bad or a little bit bad, right? So I tell you one that I have on mine um, is uh, the the first thing that I look at after I do my basic start of the day is I say, are we on pace for 10% week on week growth this week? Uh, which is a pretty big number. That means you double every seven weeks, which we have been doing, so it's business is good. But I have this thing where it's green. If we're on pace for 10% week on week growth this week, and it's yellow, if we like could maybe do it, and it's red if we couldn't, right? So I just look at that, and then if I mark that yellow or red, I'm like, whoa, we're not growing, and that's like a big part of my job is growth. Um, then I have like next short high yield stuff known, next mid high yield stuff known, follow ups current. I, I overview my team, so I look at what everybody on the team is doing, and I don't look at what everyone is doing every single day, but I just double check that nobody's like. Blocked on something, or need something, or or like we haven't scheduled a meeting, or we need or something like that. But uh, you know, for most people, I'm talking in a business context here. For most people, who put stuff on here like morning routine, journal. Those are both on mine. Um, I always schedule the next time I'm gonna do fitness. Whenever I go to the gym, so I went to the gym a few hours ago, did a back day. I'm just like oh, at the end of it, it was it was <laughs> kind of an intense day. But what I do is when I leave the gym, I immediately go down and put on my calendar the next time I'm gonna go to the gym. So if I have a next calendar appointment for going to the gym. That goes green. If I don't know when I'm going to the gym next, it goes red, right? So it just lets you see at a glance what's everything that's going on in your life. Towards the end of the day, I have like review the day, plan tomorrow, sleep well. And I mark those down if I did them or not. Um, So this is a really good way to see exactly how your days are going. And you can put on there anything you wanna pay attention to. And I always recommend people start with like 10 to 12 things. And it it caps out, like once you've got practice with it, it like caps out around 40. If you have more than 40, it starts to feel like paperwork. But I recommend everyone start at 10 to 12, even if you're hardcore. And my goal is to always aim for roughly a 70% success rate on hitting my targets on my light spreadsheet. I think that's perfect because we know from psychology that success feels a little bit less good than failure feels bad. Right? People are more like hurt by failure than they feel good by success. It's just whatever we're human. It's how we are. Right. So I like to have more than two successes for every failure. Right. 66% is two successes for every, for every mess. So I like to, you know, so it's like, okay, I'm winning more than I'm losing. Um, but I don't like to aim for hundred percent success on my goals and targets because then two things. First, if you just miss it all, that's the person that like misses one day on their diet and goes binge eating. Right. Uh-huh. They're like, Oh, I can't do it. I blew my week. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. You can mess up two days out of the five and that's totally fine. Right. Uh, so, uh, there's that. So it makes you less likely to go into a downward spiral. But the other thing is, uh, people set their goals too conservatively if they're aiming for a hundred percent success rate. Right. So I want, you know, two out of three of our campaigns, whatever we predict the low end success target is for revenue on a growth campaign. I want two out of three of them to succeed. And I want one out of three of them to miss its targets who are experimenting or trying new things. Right. You know, I want, uh, one out of three of my experimental policies to not work. Um, because that means I'm pushing myself. And then if I have way below 70% success rate, it's 50%, if it's 40%, if I'm missing more than I'm hitting on my targets, I make it simpler. The next week I make it easier. So if I had go run five miles if I'm doing running training, I just didn't do it at all last week. I might take that down to go run one mile. And if I'm still not doing that, I might be like, lace up my running shoes and go outside then. Okay. That gets up to hundred percent cause that's easy. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, go run for 10 minutes. It doesn't matter the speed or the pace or whatever, it doesn't know distance, right? So then you can start making it harder until you settle into about a 70% equilibrium um, across your goals. So I fill that out every single day um, and that one is just great. So, you know, a lot of people use this to make sure they're meditating, they're cooking, they're eating clean, they're going to the gym. For business owners, you can absolutely have on pace for X, Y, Z, or like, I know what all my staff members are working on, I know the current biggest project, the follow-ups are all current. You know the product development is on schedule. We're on track for a launch date. Whatever you're doing, you just put on there and you mark it green if it's true that day, and you mark it red if it's not. And just shows you visually, bam! Oh wow! And you can have that point to everything else. You can say like financials are current, investor updates are current, like whatever you need to be paying attention to, you just throw on there and mark it off if it's good.
1: Uh, I like that a lot, Sebastian. I, a couple questions popped up for me. When you're measuring the ten percent growth per week, right? Is that that's what you're focused on?
0: Yeah. Which is, we don't always hit that by the way, that that's a crazy number, but yeah, 10% week on week. Yes. How
1: do you, how do you dissect that and create that to know that you're at 10%? I mean, is that for each major task or major goal that you're going after? And then how do you, how how do you, how do you break that down?
0: Yeah. So this is going to vary by industry, right? So this is going to vary by industry. Um, so let's see, I'm I'm trying to give you the right level of technical detail for a bunch of different industries, right? So there's a lot of ways you could do it, right? Let's say the way your business runs is, let's say it's a service business, let's say, right? And you know that when a client buys from you, um, that half the time they'll become a super loyal client that buys a lot, right? Then you might just measure total number of clients our agency has, right? So that's, that's, that's pretty straightforward. The actual revenue would be a lagging indicator on that because it might be three months or six months later that they do larger projects with you. Right? So, uh, of course you could do gross profit, you could do net profit, you could do monthly recurring revenue. You could do distribution channels that are stocking our product. If you're doing physical, physical goods, um, you could, you could pick a different metric. Uh, so it doesn't have to be revenue related at all. That could be the size of your email list or, you know daily active users um, or monthly active users are common in tech like non monetized tech that's growing like like Facebook in the early days Um, you could do gross uh, you could do gross revenue you know if you're building a platform and you just want to see how many sales are going through you don't care about profit right now like Amazon in the early days or you could do net profit if you care about you know making a cash register ring and, and actually putting some money in your pocket at the end of the day you know every business has different goals some of them are built to grow fast do venture capital and things like that some of them are designed to produce a stable income some people have like a stable income that holds them down and then they're also working on a high upside thing so picking your metric Paul Graham um, has a ton of great stuff on this you should read all of Paul Graham's essays um, and Sam Altman who's the new head of Y Combinator he took over for Paul Graham um, has some good good lectures on this so you know you can go on a YouTube and you can search Sam Altman um, he did a class at Stanford, I believe it was. If you search Sam Altman Stanford, um, he has some good materials on that. Uh, you could try searching on Google Sam Altman growth and Paul Graham growth. Picking the right single metric is very, very um, important. And we used to do gross revenue. Um, mm-hmm. We used to do gross revenue, but then as your revenue starts getting, um, you know, a- a- as you start having repeat business, right, that doesn't necessarily reflect growth as well because your revenue can. Uh, you know follow as a function of the past revenue that you did so so right now we just do just do active paying customers um, As ours right so the work gym, which is our newest offering is is monthly um, It's recurring so we just look at the number of members and we just try to have that grow 10% every single week and we don't always do that though last week was cyber Monday So we grew a lot last week last week was really really good um, Like I, I haven't got through all the numbers yet because it's uh, it's a couple more days, but like Wow, like that was really, really good last week. So yeah, you know, if you if you hit 10% on average, do you know the rule of 72? Does everybody maybe everybody listening already knows this? This
1: might be super basic or it might be interesting. No, let's it's interesting. Yeah, let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, the rule of 72 is like, so if you grow 10% every week, like how long does it take you to double? Or if you grow any percent, how long does it take you to double? You take your growth percent and you divide it by 72. And the 72 is like a you could look it up. It's a mathematical uh It's a mathematical thing uh, that um, it's a, it's a calculus thing that factors in compounding, but you know, you can look up E is the actual, the name of the mathematical constant. You don't need to know it, but basically, you know, if you get compounding, right? So if you start off with 10 customers or if you start off with a hundred customers and you get 10% more, you get 10 in the first week. If you get 10% more again, you get 11 the next week. Right. So it doesn't take you 10 weeks because it's not 10 customers, 10 customers, 10 customers, 10 customers, then 11 customers, then 12 customers, right? So it, the growth compounds on the growth, right? If you have good referrals and people like you and whatever. So you take your growth rate, you divide it by 72, and that's about how long it takes you to double. So if you're growing 10% every week, you double every roughly seven weeks, which is crazy. And Paul Graham had a good thing on this. Again, if you Google Paul Graham growth, I think will Pick it up. It might have been titled Startup Equals Growth. Um, but it's interesting because if you grow at 1% a week, it'll take you 72 weeks to double. If you grow at 2% a week, it'll take you 36 weeks to double, roughly. You grow at 5% a week, right? It'll take you about 14 weeks to double. You grow at 10%, you double every seven weeks. So it's a huge difference between small amounts of growth. And whilst we're on the topic, I think a lot of business owners neglect to pick up an extra five to 10 percent of sales um, just because they want to be efficient. But like if there's a customer that had like a customer service problem and they they emailed you and they said, Hey, I want to buy, but this and that doesn't work for me or whatever. And you write back, "Nope, here's how you solve that. Like you should like have somebody watching that like a hawk and following up with that person repeatedly and being like, Hey, did that solve it? Do you want to buy? Is there anything? stopping you or holding you back from buying because that might be the difference between a 7% growth rate and a 10% growth rate, which is the difference between doubling every seven weeks and 10 weeks, which is a huge difference. And most businesses only grow at like one or two or 3% a week, even if they're doing pretty well, which you could do a lot better than that if you actually math it out. So I have a spreadsheet that breaks down what numbers we need to hit each week. And then I estimate, okay, like this campaign, how many people are going to interact with this? And then how many people are going to potentially become customers of ours from this? And I kind of like, you know, build out an estimation on and I, I put a safe estimate and a high estimate on every campaign. So if we're going to run this type of advertising, or if we're going to run this type of event, what's the low number of customers we get from that and the high number. And I try to make the low number when I plan out the whole week, add up to 10% week on week growth. And like, sometimes it's really hard. Like I'm not, I'm not, oh yeah, you just do it, do it. No, it's like really hard. You got to pay a lot of attention to it. Um, but it is possible. And most people aren't doing that. And it's like, if it takes you hundred hours to learn how to break it out in spreadsheets and learn all the equations and study your own data, like, this is how you like grow your company, like do it at some point. If you're running a company that you want to grow, if you're happy where you're at, that's cool. You know, if you wanna uh, you know, grow and it's paying your bills and it's cool and it's enjoyable, great. But you know, if you wanna have a bigger company, like you gotta just be able to math it out and that's how you'd be able to guarantee some level of success. Um, and it's not guaranteed, cause you know, you have a week where a campaign, you're like like, you're running three campaigns and two of them blow up and just don't work at all, right? Some tech error or something. We had a product hunt launch. The first time we were on product hunt was really good for us. The second time we got enough votes, that it should have front page and the first time we were on product hunt did great for us. It, it, it hit our numbers that week. just product hunt was great. Um, but the second time we did, we just didn't show up on popular, even though we had enough votes and like we could not for the life of us figure out why they're just something with the algorithm didn't like us that time. So like, okay, that was a bummer. That was one of the things that we wanted to have happen that week. Right. So it happens. But then like cyber Monday was like Big, right? That was way more than 10%. So it was really big. It was it was a great reception. Our customers were really cool too. They like, they they really put the word out, which was really good. And I'm, I'm really grateful we've got really good customers. They're like really good people and they, they support us and we support them. So that's also another thing to do. But yeah, I, I think you have to learn how to math it out and understand how the numbers interact. People are like, oh no, math. It's like it's basic arithmetic. Okay, right. you're doing some percentages. You don't need to know the calculus, it's just like rule of 72, divide your growth percent, right? So if you're making a hundred, you're making $10,000 a month, right? Um, And you want to grow 10% week on week means you're making $2,500 this week, roughly, right? So you need to add $250 of of new revenue this week to grow 10% week on week. That's it. You just know that you're good and you'll double every seven weeks. So it's like, Hey, if you're making 10 grand a month, you're making 2,500 this week, you got to figure out a way to make 250 more. It's like not necessarily easy, but it's totally doable. And if you do that every single week, your company will get really
1: big. I, I want to ask you about um, a couple things. Let's talk first about some of the the best practices around work and then the science behind it. So, flow state is this this, this big buzz phrase, and I've um, done some research on you know different brainwave patterns and then also neurochemicals that are flowing through our bodies during this time. And I'm curious uh, about you, like when when you want to be productive, when you want to be motivated, when you want to get shit done and how you advise your clients to get into this flow state, to be incredibly productive and, and get 400% productivity boost in any given time.
0: Cool. And, uh, and, and, to be clear, by the way, it's customers, not clients. We charge $49 okay. a month. So it's okay. not, <laughs> you know, it's not like, Hey, if you're running if you're running Mercedes Benz, give us a call. Hey, we're, we're happy to work with entrepreneurs at whatever uh, level they're at. We're about one third programmers, one third uh, business owners and one third other people like uh, attorneys and PhD students are our customers. It's like it's 49 bucks. So it's okay. you know, not dirt cheap, but, uh, but not clients. Cl- I used to have clients. Clients was tens of thousands of dollars, right? Back when we had clients. Uh, yeah. And I like it more this way. We get to reach more people. I had a lot of fun in the old days too. Everyone's, everyone's great, but, uh, but yeah, flow state, great stuff. And it actually seems like, you know, some of the biochem stuff. So if you want to go deep on that, we can, that's a little advanced for most people, but that might be interesting. I'm a little bit of a amateur enthusiast into that. It seems like you're into some of the psychology I'm also an enthusiast of, but like, let's start with the very basics, right? Um, you need to know what you're doing, and then you need to be able to sit down and break it down and then concentrate and actually do it, right? That's pretty much tautological. So, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw up on ultraworking.com slash I'll put on their work cycles, uh, which is a way to plan out a work session for three to six minutes. I mean, the first time you do it, it'll be five to 10 while you're figuring it out. But it, it asks you some very basic questions before you get started um, on how I know this is complete. Are there any risks and hazards that I should take into account? You know, is this concrete uh, where I don't really have to manage it? Or is this more subjective where I need to make sure I'm spending my time well? So it asks a few questions like that before you get started. And then it actually breaks down your work in a 30 minute blocks with breaks in between them. And we do work cycles live um, over at the work gym, which is uh, our, our core offering at ultra working these days. And It really works like magic. So what you do is you set a target of what you want to get done in the next 30 minutes. So, you know, you can try out work cycles Mm -hmm. if you want. Ultraworking.com slash TBM will give templates and instructions and stuff that people can run it solo and that's totally free and it, it works like, it works great. But even if you don't do that, even if you don't want to go set up on tech and spreadsheets and whatever, if you just say, what do I want to have true 30 minutes from now? That's the 80 20 right there. So just say in 30 minutes what I want to be true. I think 30 minutes is the right unit for a lot of reasons. We don't super need to get into them. It's a very easy unit to estimate around because you just multiply by two and that's an hour, right? It's also kind of like whenever you set a target, if you miss your target, you might lose whatever amount of time you have left. So if you set an hour, you get distracted at the 10 minute mark, you start you go on Wikipedia because you really needed to look something up legitimately. And then you're reading about like Henry VIII or something. Like, I, I don't know, maybe somebody <laughs> else. Like, I'm going to like look up something about some code or something. And then I look at the history of computing and that takes me to the Industrial Revolution. And then I'm looking at the Magna Carta and I'm like, what
1: the right.
0: Heck happened, right? So like set a timer for yourself. What do you want to be true? 30 minutes, mark down whether you did it or not. That very short term, what am I trying to hit target um, is very valuable. And some creative people kind of rage against that um i think even if you're doing creative work there's ways to say okay in 30 minutes i want to have thought about the problem and i want to have written my most important considerations on paper for solving it right things like that you can break it down to that level and you can be more skilled or less skilled at any of the specific things about estimation or detecting potential risks that would come up and there's you know you could be better or worse at working like any other skill set right but setting a target for what do you want to get done in the next 30 is really really good and really really recommended Um, and if you do that, so four work cycles is about two hours, a little longer, if you take the breaks, Mm -hmm. um, what I try to do is I try to just do four cycles in the morning, two hours of focused work and four at any point in the day. Right. And I just, that's it. If I do four hours of focused work every day, I'm good. And if you do that, you're going to be ahead of like 90 something percent of people, right? Most people do not get four focused hours in the first time I measured myself. I did not get four focused hours in a day. I got four and a half hours all week. There's 168 hours in a week. You can do better than that. Right. So. Um, yeah, I do four cycles, you know, before the day starts. Ideally, sometimes I'm in meetings and calls and stuff right away, but ideally I get four focused hours solo. Um, and then four yeah. at some, at any other point in the day, it could be the afternoon, could be right away. If I had a free block of time, could be in the evening, but if you get four focused hours in a day, you're good. You do eight, you'll be the most successful person, you know, but you know, most people, won't. <laughs> most so people can't and won't do that. But like, that's, that's Elon Musk right there. Maybe he does 12. So that'll make you a billionaire. If you do 12, right, or 16. focused on the most yeah, important Yeah. Day, yeah. <laughs>
1: And, and for you, that's what gets you into the quote unquote flow state, right?
0: Yeah, that helps a lot. Um, I think it's worth uh, optimizing a lot of other things in your environment. Um, I think music matters a lot. Non-lyrical yeah. music tends to work better. It's actually been, I don't know if you've come across it, there's been some interesting studies on music and athletic performance. And I tend to think a lot of physical athletic performance transfers to work. So if you wanna see what scientists are gonna be researching about work and thinking, In the next five to 10 years, look at what they're doing with athletes right now. Because sports science tends to be a little bit ahead of mental science in my experience, right? So they actually did some, some swimming studies, I believe, and people were like swimming in like cold water around England or something like that, where they were trying to swim fast and it was like hard and unpleasant and endurance and power output and whatever. And they found that when they gave people... Um, really up-tempo, aggressive music, like uh, you know, like a Guns N' Roses or Eminem or like a really intense techno, um, that could lead to a little bit of a performance boost. And stuff like Bob Marley led to a performance hit. <laughs> so you just yeah, wouldn't yeah. swim as far as <laughs> long as if you're, you know, no woman, no cry. Uh, so I think that's worth bearing in mind. Uh, lyrical music, I think, is good if your work is boring. Like, so if you're just like doing something you've done a thousand times before and you might be tempted to get distracted, you put on a, a cool song with some lyrics you like can be good. Um, for some people, uh, for anything that's more creative, I like non-lyrical music. So I'll do classical or, or usually up-tempo techno. Um, and, uh, you, know, it's, you know, you can, there's so many music services these days to curate lists for you. Uh, Spotify will give you a discover list. If you just play some songs you like and make a playlist, they'll start giving you a discovery thing, which is good. Um, SoundCloud actually has some great amateur music yeah. on there so like whatever you want you just go to soundcloud and you find it so soundcloud's really good too so you just you know you make a playlist and there's like brain fm and all that sort of stuff i got subscriptions or I, I bought lifetime plans on a couple of them and so sometimes i'll do one of those but yeah loud music is good the biochem stuff's important knowing where you want to be in terms of like food and how that affects you and you know making sure that you don't have any you know like going getting your your health done and make sure you don't have any uh you know vitamin deficiencies or any blood problems getting your blood work done at some points really worthwhile that'll mm-hmm. be like hundred to $200 in the developing world. And that'll be maybe like $800 in the U S. And if you live in a country with socialized medicine where you can just go get your blood work done, then, you know, God bless you. That's, that's good. I'm an American. So we, we pay in cash for things, but, um, I think going and getting that done. And, you know, in, uh, Thailand is actually quite cheap for medicine. Malaysia is quite cheap. One of the few countries that oversupply of doctors, Korea, Um, is socialized. But if you're not Korean, um, it's actually quite affordable because they set a cap on the the private selling even to tourists. So Korea is pretty good to get medicine done. Um, And then different European countries, some of them are better than others if you're just visiting, if you're not a resident. Um, And Canada is obviously cheaper than America if you're American. So, um, you know, look up the rules and stuff. But Uh, you know certainly for getting blood work done in a lab you can do that in any country you want while you're traveling very good investment so you can see if you're low on any of those numbers and then like you know optimizing your diet and you know optimizing your caffeine usage and maybe taking L-theanine which is the active ingredient in green tea uh, if you're taking caffeine to smooth it out you know I I feel like people are talking about that a lot these days we go deep on that but That's, that's, that's really kind of a lot of, once you get your blood work done and make sure you don't have any allergies and stuff like that, the rest of it's a little bit tightening the screws where most people just aren't putting in any hours. So if you're feeling like more healthy and and sprightly, but you're still not putting in any hours on what's important, you know, it's, it'll only take you so far.
1: I've been measuring a lot the just by just internally measuring the if if I realize that I'm lacking neurochemicals in my body like dopamine oxytocin serotonin or endorphins and then or if cortisol is coming in my body or you know the stress and then stepping away from that have do you have you have any do you have any experience with that on on kind of micromanaging what more you need in your life to then step away from maybe a work cycle and then get back into it if you need
0: a hundred percent you're the first person to ask me about this so i'll allude to biochem okay, okay. Uh, whenever i speak with somebody and everyone's like "Ah, uh, yeah whatever like that's that's some space stuff i don't understand that right <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm glad you asked um here's the most interesting idea for me so, so to answer your question yes here's the most interesting thing of that is you can freak yourself out with your mind and you can wind up activating your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight thing, just by thinking. And I'm not being woo. I'm just to be clear. I'm not like mystical. I'm not like channel your tiger spirit. I'm like statistics, sociotechnical systems, spreadsheets, industrial engineering. That's the stuff I'm into. I'm not in a woo, but you really can freak yourself out. Um, if you're like, Oh my gosh, how are we going to get this done? We're screwed. You can actually turn on your own fight or flight response and actually change your own hormones. Right? Uh, for the worse or for the better, um, how to get better at that 's a long term difficult topic that we 're on the verge of a breakthrough in ten years there 's going to be a lot better stuff for mass audiences. Sophisticated people have known about this or had heuristics of this since the beginning of time. You know Marcus Aurelius was writing about some of this stuff, right, right. but um, in terms of making it really accessible to the mainstream we 're so close like uh, a lot of the answers to it are known but they're just kind of not packaged and popularized in the supporting structures around it. But you know, one thing that I really, really do try to do, and this is not from a woo and mystic perspective. This is just like, I want to get better results. Like I want concrete, you know, like let's get it done results. Um, I try to never use coercive language with myself ever. I have to do this. I must do this. This needs to get done. This must be done. I never use that with myself or with my staff. So are we going to do this? Do we want to do this? Is this cool? Are we, do we want to get this done? Like you know, and, and not in like a passive okay, aggressive okay. way either. Yeah. I never use coercive language. There's a concept from psychology called reactance. You could Google it. It says in response to a loss of freedom, people will either want to reassert their freedom or act out if they can't, you know what I mean? So if you think about the, you know, if you see any prison movie where like when somebody's passing through the halls, all the prisoners start shouting and making a raucous and stuff, it's yeah. cause like they're locked up. So they just want to express themselves somehow. And if you force yourself to do stuff that you like hate, right? Then you're more likely, you're more at risk to go junk food, you know, shop and spend your money kind of stupidly on stuff you don't need to buy, Uh, you know, (laughs) Netflix, video games, internet surfing, stay up too late, you know, uh, go out and, you know, abuse substances, you, you know, do dumb stuff if you're doing stuff you hate. Whereas if you're like, hey, look, I'm choosing to do this and like, yeah, I don't love getting a bunch of due diligence documents together, but this is what investors need. and This is the game I signed up for. So like, I'm on it, right? You do that and it's just like, I don't want to overstate the benefits of it because it's not that big, right? It's not totally transformational, but I don't know. What is it? 10% better, 20% better. You just freak yourself out a little bit less. You get stressed a little bit less. I think you're less likely to get sick. There's a great book uh, called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, um, I believe by Sapolsky, (laughs) um, which is a good one. And yeah, just like don't freak yourself out. You don't have to do anything. You really, you, 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 like, you're choosing to do what you're doing. Now there's consequences if you don't do things, but like, I have to get this report out. I have to get this project done. We have to hit the launch date. Just be like, yeah, got a launch date coming up. Like I'm so hyped, we're gonna launch. It's gonna be great. All right, time to get to it, you know, right? Like it's the same thing, but like you're hyped instead of like, oh, why? You know, or whatever.
1: Very well put. Sebastian, I want to know your daily routine slash structure. I know you've mentioned bits of it throughout this conversation, but if you could hone it up into a couple paragraphs for us. First. How long can I talk two
0: paragraphs? That means I got to <laughs> simplify. All right. Okay. A
1: couple minutes, a couple minutes. I got a
0: couple minutes. All right. Three,
1: four, five minutes. Okay. <laughs>
0: first thing, first thing I do monthly planning every single month and I pick new stuff to work on. So I keep whatever's interesting right? I keep whatever's interesting or effective lately going on. I keep the fundamentals, but every single month I experiment with a new monthly theme. Again, I'm not in a woo, but it works. There's a lot of elite athletes, elite soldiers that do stuff like this. That's where I got it from was actually a uh, former Navy SEAL named Richard Makowitz. He he was big in having mantras. So I read his book and it was great. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. So what I do is every single month, I give the month a theme. Um, and you know, one month I was traveling a lot and, uh, I I used to do this nonprofit work. We would go speak at like 15 universities in a month which is pretty intense travel it's like mm-hmm. speak travel speak travel right it's how we got volunteers with 100 volunteer organization and normally I would just like after four of those you're just zoned out as a zombie when you're on train or an airplane or a rental car right but i called that month yeah. on mission 24 7 right so what that meant was i don't care i'm a little tired i'm a little worn out i'm still gonna be doing something i'm on the airplane i'm gonna be writing an essay you know um in the rental car and i'm not driving i'm gonna be like working on the speaker prep for the next event that's coming up or whatever. And I just did more that month. Um, I had one month that I focused on having more fun all month. So every Sunday I looked at my calendar and actually proactively scheduled fun. And I know that's like the most nerdy uh, technocratic way to do it ever. I called it fun protocol month or just like every Sunday I scheduled some fun. And uh, Mm -hmm. then I tried to make everything I did more fun that month. So that's where everything else flows from uh, is I keep the best practices, but every single month I do monthly planning. I actually have a template for that too. It's a little bit harder to use self-serve, but, um, I'll, I'll put that up on, on ultraworking.com, uh, slash TVM. If people want to try monthly planning out because every single month I set a theme and again, about two thirds of them work out great, right? This month was dispatch, uh, where I'm focusing on be- being a better, like, uh, being less of a middleman. Um, As a CEO, I'm being less in the middle of things with my team, Uh, and it worked worked pretty good. So I do that, I have a monthly team. Those generate my new experimental policies that I'm trying out that month, all right? Um, But okay, so there's that. What I do is I wake up, make my bed, take some vitamins, have a glass of water, and then I get right to my light spreadsheet first, and I start filling it out, right? And the first thing, or first-ish thing that I do each day, you know, sometimes it's like something important's coming in overnight, so I gotta look at my email first, but broadly speaking, um, on my light spreadsheet, I have prompt start as the first item on the list. I check it green if I start doing planning at the start of the day, my morning routines and not like I'm on the internet, right? And, you know, I'm not in my email, yeah. right? Um, and then I do a team overview. I review the current schedule of upcoming revenue, uh, revenue generating campaigns. So I look at like which ones are hitting on what day, is everything on track? So I look at how's everybody on the team doing? I look at every single staff member. We're still a small, smallish company so I can look at how everyone's doing. In a year or two, I won't be able to do that, but right now I can be like, okay, how's Xavier doing, how's Lee doing? You know, I can look at everybody, right? Then uh, I do, do we know the next growth project? Do we know the next product development project? And I take a look at all the ops and systems I have, because that's this month's thing. Then I look at are we on pace for 10% week on week growth? Do I know the next high yield short term and high yield long term project? And are my follow ups current for anybody that I need to follow up with that I'm kind of a point person on? So I actually do that before a morning routine these days. I do that before I brush my teeth. And okay, that sounds intense. That's 20, 30 minutes every morning of like looking at what everyone on the team is doing, looking at revenue, looking at numbers, looking at product schedules, product development schedules and roadmap. And people are like, oh my gosh, I don't know where I'm gonna do that. I'm like, okay, like I'm running my business, man. Like what are you doing if you're not running your business, right? <laughs> you know, like, so yeah, it takes, as a CEO, it takes 20 to 30 minutes to like be on top of everything. Cause that's like three or four minutes per item, right? I'm actually pretty efficient with it. Um, so I just look at what everyone's doing. Um, then after that, I do morning routine. I do a journal. I have. Uh, an item on the list called anticipation of badness. Where I'll just write down what could go wrong today. I find that one to be very good. And then I have countermeasures re badness. So I have a little writing prompt where I say, what could go wrong today? What's at risk? What's dangerous? Like, oh, didn't sleep well last night, might be distractible. Or like, this thing is really scary. Or like, I've got three hours of calls, then one hour free, then two more calls. Don't waste that hour. Or whatever. Right, so anticipation of badness and then countermeasures rebadness. badness. Okay, for that hour, I'm going to immediately get up and go run this errand that's like a stupid 40 minute errand and then I'm gonna be back for the other call. I'm gonna tell everyone that I'm running that errand. So they're expecting me to leave after these calls are over because I gotta be at my desk. And then people are like, hey, you're running that errand now. Yes, I am, see you later. And then I'll come back and then I have like, check off that errand in that one free hour, right? then I look at whether there's fitness scheduled. and I take a look at my calendar and I paint out any open blocks in that day on the calendar. I'm like, what am I going to do? Hey, there's a big open block here. What do I want to do? And I'll look at revenue and product and team and whatever and I'll schedule some calls or schedule some solo time for that. Um, and that's kind of the crux of getting the day started. After that, it's a mix of solo work and, and meetings and team stuff. And I could go granular in my morning routine. Like I stretch, I drink water, I take a bunch of vitamins. I, if people are interested in that, we could talk about that. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, during the day, I say four plus cycles on product or revenue. So those are work cycles. We'll put that up on uh, on the site. Um, ops improvements underway, um, and then I have net email decrease. I want to see my email go down. I, I'm pretty bad at this one. This nice. Is not good at it. <laughs> yeah, 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 not nice. I'm not good at it. But I try to make my email go down every day because it like gets high, and I try to make it go back down. And then I have a bunch of records that I look at at the end of the day as well. Uh, are the weekly review and current are the projects current? Is everyone the team aligned? Nobody's blocked. Nobody has anything going on. I've like we've hung out recently and know what's up. Um, I also check off, did I do any miscellaneous internet that day? Miscellaneous internet's the bane of everyone's existence, right? So like, yeah. did I aimlessly surf the web? I'm totally happy to read a book for a few hours if I wanna go get information, but like, you know, just mindlessly clicking around. I'm happy to go on Twitter if I have like 10 minutes before something just to get some intellectual surface area, but like spending two hours on Twitter is like not good, <laughs> right? Um, then I do right. my record keeping, how did all my time go that day? Um, there's a little question I ask, any late tasks? Ideally, that's marked no. And then I review again as 10% week-on-week growth on pace. You got to really be on the stuff like a hawk if you want to grow. It's hard to grow. It's one of the hard things in business, right? Then I do review the day, plan the next day, do a little quick meditation thing and sleep well. It's my day.
1: (laughs) Any recommended meditations? Um, I just did
0: basic mindfulness meditation um, for a number of years. And uh, you know, that's like the concentrate on your breath or something thing. I think doing five to 10 minutes a day is really good. There's some people that are advanced meditators. I did that for a few years every single day. Um, And it was pretty good. I feel like it was really good. At some point I'm like, eh, I'm not really getting more out of this and I stopped. I think if I'd probably continued, I'd have probably gotten more out of it eventually. I was probably on a plateau as opposed to had mastered it. But you know, I did a few years every single day, just five to 10 minutes, sometimes more. Um, these days I just try to get really still for a little while before I sleep, you know, like people are just so all over the place. So I just try to like get still for like, it could be very short amount of touch, however long it takes. It might be under a minute. Um, so I just try to like, you know, just kind of like, yeah, just get still and then go to bed and then you sleep better. Um, yeah. I, and I look like to not think about stuff when I'm falling asleep unless I want to. So if I'm like hyped and excited, I'll do that. But if things are going wrong, I try to just dump it and go to bed. Cause like when you're in bed, the most important thing you can do is sleep. Right. Great point.
1: Sebastian, my friend, I I have a feeling you and I could talk for another couple hours on this stuff, but we're going to have to wrap things up. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. I really appreciate it. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you guys have going on, where's the best place they could do that at?
0: Uh, Just ultraworking.com TBM, forward slash TBM. We'll put up all the good stuff up there. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm sure we'll get to link up in person at some point and geek out for a couple of days. This is great.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And um, uh, another thing, we, we didn't get into the, the we were going to talk about setting New Year's resolutions and goals, but I think for <laughs> any but listeners, I, right? <laughs> but for any listeners out there that are listening to this episode, uh, make sure you maybe listen to it a second time or check out what Sebastian has going on at his, the links on the website so you can set your resolutions and knock those suckers out good. So again, I'll put some so again, stuff about that. I'll put some stuff about New Year's up too
0: so that people can uh, can start the year strong. It's like if you have a strong January, for me historically how well January goes is very predictive of how well the rest of the year goes. You just set the pace for the year and it's like, yeah, this is going to be a good year. I just nailed January. So starting to set up for that in December, getting mentally ready knowing what you want to get done the next year good things. I'll, I'll put a couple of uh, things up about that
1: too. We appreciate it. And again, Sebastian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners. Thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody.
0: Adios. Thank you so much. Godspeed.
1: Hey listeners. Thanks for joining us. Once again, we wanted to remind you about our high performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.